Well, uh, you know, first time you're going to see our faces this week. You heard our voices earlier this week, folks, and uh, hope everybody's doing well out there in uh, D3 land. Uh, JB, how's your life been? I can't believe we're at the end of the regular season. I mean, this is it. I mean, this it's just flown by. Here we are. It's November. We got Veterans Day weekend, busting out the camo, a little, uh, you know, respect to the troops and all that. And wait a second. Before um, we get too far into this thing, I have I had a quick, um, of course, now this is going to take forever to open, but I wanted to do this here. <laughs> what, do, what do you because want to do it, Because, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, don't, on, don't, don't get us canceled. <laughs> what? It's the chief. Don't get us canceled by Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not podcast yeah, safe. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's true. Okay. Well, never mind then. Well, congratulations on uh, the re-election, getting uh, your administration in place for the next four years. I think that's real exciting. And uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll be busy being the mayor over a lot of Veterans Day events this weekend. So thanks to all who have served. And um, you know, we are free because of the brave, all that good stuff. Thanks, everyone, to those who served. So here you go. Veterans Day events, I, uh, I hate to tell you, it's going to be uh, Division Three events all weekend long. Uh, I'm going to Muhlenberg at Montclair tonight. I'm going to RPI Union tomorrow. I am going to be with you at 3.30. Uh, we're going to record it, our interview with the chair on uh, Sunday, which will run at 5.30 Eastern Time. Then on Monday mm -hmm. at noon Eastern time, we're going to have the ECAC Bowl Show. Well, we have so many things going on, but for now, you got 90 more minutes with us, maybe 100 minutes with us. This is Season 16, Crunch Time and Previews <laughs> of 10 I and 11. Count, man. Too many numbers. <laughs> I'll be in the huddle. bopping with you this time uh but jb we got to get rolling here because we've got two guests yeah, yeah. coming up later on uh teddy brunger from merchant marine bill george from coast guard uh former head coach talk about his book and things that are going on with coast guard because he's still very attached Secretary's to that program Cup. yep uh, also we're gonna have the interviews from the Cortland post game uh that we saved for actually the oh, cool. show ultimately crunch time coming right up after your thirty thousand foot view of week 10 and then we'll get into week 11 and the regional rankings a little bit later on in the show. Go ahead, 30,000-foot view first. Well, I mean, the, the number one thing is now we know who half the Pool A qualifiers are. We had a bunch of teams clinch over the last two weeks, and then it leads up to this weekend where there's going to be a lot of games, a lot of head-to-head -head matchups for conference championships and these automatic qualifiers. So it's going to be a really exciting weekend. It's kind of been building up the last couple of weeks. We have some historic big time, whatever you want to call them, rivalry games coming up. So this is really the, the most fun part of the D3 season. Everything is kind of being wrapped up, resolved. But Week 10 had, you know, had a lot of its highlights, a couple of surprises, not a ton. Um, you know, but we're 
you know, pushing along here towards the end of the regular season. It's kind of crazy. We're, we're, we're hitting the postseason, and playoffs are coming up around the corner. Well, before we get to playoffs, let's tell everybody how some of the teams got in uh, with their Pool A bids and others that might yeah. not quite be in yet. Uh, how things shook out in Week 10, you know what it is. It's crunch time for Week 10 of the 2023 Division Three college football season. We start in Region 1 as DelVal took on Misericordia. In the first quarter, midway through it, DelVal's Shoma Richard gets a 34-yard touchdown pass from Louis Berrios to make it 7-0 DelVal. In the second quarter, 131 left, Misericordia tries to respond as Owen McGuffey gets a 13-yard touchdown pass from TJ Prather to make it 14-6 DelVal. But in the third quarter, 435 left, DelVal's Jack Fallon gets a one-yard touchdown run to make it 21-6 DelVal and they would win the game 28-6. Jack Fallon, 21 rushes, 109 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Gavin Morris for Misericordia, 18 tackles, and that was DelVal's sixth straight MAC title win. In the MASCAC, it was Bridgewater State at uh, Framingham State. The video here is a little choppy, but we'll still give you something. Second quarter, 619 left, Bridgewater State's MAC driver gets a four-yard touchdown run to make it 14-0 Bridgewater State. In the second quarter, though, at the very end of it, Jared Martino, a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown. That big pick six made it 14-7 at halftime, still in favor of Bridgewater State. In the third quarter, 9.45 left, Adam Couch from Bridgewater State gets a 16-yard touchdown run to make it 21-7 in favor of BSU. And then later on, Elijah Nichols is intercepted by Bridgewater State's Nathan Oliver. That's with 2.07 left, and that would end the game essentially 21-7. Bridgewater State beats Framingham State. James Cahoon, 19 for 25, 145 yards, one passing touchdown. Jared Martino from Framingham State with that pick six, and the Mascac remains in a three-way tie to be solved. Also, Husson at uh, University of New England. The lobster trap goes to Husson, 30-27. Elijah Garnett, 23 rushes, 156 yards, two rushing touchdowns. Jared Hinault from UNE, 338 total yards, four passing touchdowns and interception, and it gives Endicott the AQ in the CCC. In Region 2, Brockport took on Cortland for the Empire 8 crown. 2.20 left first quarter, Cole Burgess gets a 64-yard touchdown pass from Zach Boys. That would make the score 14-3 in favor of Cortland. But look what starts happening here as Ben Gasella gets intercepted by Luke Winslow. A 16-yard return for Winslow, and that was the first interception for Cortland. Then later on, Gasella was intercepted by a one-handed grab by Sam Cotton, and that made things even worse for Brockport at that point. And then, look, Gasella again intercepted by Matt Lauder. This time, a two-yard return made things again hairy for Brockport. We'll go to the end of the second quarter. Cole Burgess, 24-yard touchdown pass from Zach Boys, made it 24-3. But then Ben Gasella, just before halftime, intercepted again, this time by Mark Noel. And my goodness, that's four interceptions in the first half for Brockport. We'll go to the second half. Well, it didn't change. Chris McGuire comes in. He was intercepted by Alex DeRosa, and that would set things up later. Cole Burgess, a 71-yard touchdown pass from Zach Boys. J.J. Lapp had the touchdown before that to make it 31-3. This is now 38-3 in favor of Cortland. Three touchdowns for Burgess. Final score, 
Cortland 41, Brockport 17. Cortland wins the Pool A bid. Burgess, nine receptions, 245 yards, three receiving touchdowns. The Cortland defense, two sacks, six tackles for loss, one fumble recovery, and five interceptions, as I said. Then Montclair State faced off against Christopher Newport. It was 7-7 at halftime in the third quarter, though. 3.36 left Montclair State's Albalani. Mendez, a nine-yard touchdown run, made it 13-7 in favor of Montclair. Fourth quarter, 5.01 left. Christopher Newport's Colin Hart, a 14-yard touchdown pass from Matt Dzerski, made it 14-13 Christopher Newport. Montclair would respond, though. Aiden McLaughlin, the QB, gets the tush-push touchdown from two yards out. 19-14, Montclair led. And then... Watch uh, the last chance here for Christopher Newport. Dzerski uh, pitches it out, and the the pitch and whatever you want to call it here, eventually a forward pass, uh, which made it uh, no good. It is a win by Montclair by the final score of 19-14. to 14. Aiden McLaughlin, 23 for 37, 227 yards, one passing, one uh, rushing touchdown. Matt Dzerski, 18 for 25, 258 yards, two passing touchdowns for Christopher Newport. Then we'll concentrate on the Centennial Conference. First, FNM at Muhlenberg. Third quarter, 419 left. FNM's Ty Tremba gets 11-yard touchdown run to give FNM the 28-21 lead. Then fourth quarter, 924 left. Matthew Manning gets a two-yard touchdown pass from Gerald Rapetti to make it 28 apiece with that 924 left. Four minutes later, FNM's Gary Lewis, a 13-yard touchdown pass from Ty Tremba. They would take the lead 35-28. But fourth quarter, 35 seconds left. Chris Ardito, a 35-yard touchdown pass from Rapetti, tied the game up, and we'd go to overtime. Ardito would get a quick 25-yard touchdown pass in overtime from Rapetti to make it 42-35 Muhlenberg. But FNM would respond. Gary Lewis, a two-yard touchdown pass from Tremba, made it 42-42 as FNM chose to go for one in the tie. We'd go to a second overtime. FNM's Lawrence Miller eventually would hit a 36-yard field goal to give his team a three-point lead. So in the second overtime, Muhlenberg had a chance to win, and they did so. James Nye, a seven-yard touchdown pass from Rapetti, made it 48-45 in two overtimes. That was your final score. Rapetti, 462 total yards, two rushing touchdowns, five passing touchdowns, and an interception. Ty Tremba from FNM, 25 for 38, 338 yards, one rushing and five passing touchdowns, and an interception. Again, we'll stay in the Centennial as Johns Hopkins took on Dickinson. It was 9-6 Dickinson at halftime, third quarter, 10-25 left. Johns Hopkins, Cole Crotty gets an 86-yard touchdown pass from Bay Harvey. So Johns Hopkins looking to win the Pool A bid out right here is up 13-9 at this point. But in the next play, a kickoff return for a touchdown by Princeton Douglas. The 96-yard touchdown with 10-10 left in the third quarter made it 16-13. Dickinson. Again, just about a minute later, it was Brendan Walker, a nine-yard scoop and score for Dickinson. Things were falling apart for Johns Hopkins as they trailed 23-13. Four minutes later, they would respond finally as Josh Polsey gets a 16-yard touchdown pass from Burke Griffin on the razzle-dazzle play, 23-20 in favor of Hopkins. Fourth quarter, two minutes into it, Bay Harvey, a 17-yard touchdown run would give Hopkins the lead back, 27-23. And then with 157 left, another tush-push touchdown here. Bay Harvey, the one-yard touchdown run, made it 34-23. That was the final score in favor of Johns Hopkins. 
And again, Dickinson had led 23-13 with 9.06 left in the third quarter. Bay Harvey, 315 total yards, one passing, two rushing touchdowns. And the Dickinson uh, defense, special teams, a fumble recovery and a kickoff return for a touchdown scored in that game. Also want to tell you about the Liberty League uh, game between RPI and Hobart. Ultimately, it was a 31-21 win. Johnny Columbia, the quarterback for Hobart, 205 total yards, one passing, two rushing touchdowns. Justin McCormick. Uh, for RPI, 13 for 17, 200 yards as Kazanowski did not play in the game. He had one rushing, two passing touchdowns, did McCormick. And we'll go to Region 3 now in the ODAC. It was Shenandoah versus Hampton-Sydney. It was a 10-3 Hampton-Sydney lead at halftime in the third quarter, though. 5-13 left Hampton-Sydney's Austin Fernandez gets a two-yard touchdown pass from Andrew Puccinelli. That made it 16-3 in favor of Hampton-Sydney. Fourth quarter, 11.52 left, Shenandoah's Andre Jackson. Six-yard touchdown pass from Stephen Hugney, 16-10, the lead was shrunken to. Then watch this, Piccinelli on a fourth and 29 from his own two, uh, takes a knee in the end zone for the safety, trying to protect that six-point lead down to four now, 16-12 in favor of Hampton Sydney. The response about a minute and a half later was Shenandoah's Broden Dominico getting a 12-yard touchdown pass from Hugney to take the lead 19-16, a three-point lead now for Shenandoah. But Hampton Sydney would respond. Elijah Sweat with seven seconds left hits a 28-yard field goal to tie the game, and we would go to overtime. Hampton Sydney up first, Malik Frost, a four-yard touchdown run, 26-19 in favor of Hampton Sydney. Shenandoah's Broden Dominico. Gets a 25-yard touchdown pass from Stephen Hugney, though, on their first play in overtime to give them within one point, but the extra point is blocked, and that would do it. Hampton Sydney would win this game 26-25 in overtime. Malik Frost, 34 rushes, 110 yards, and two rushing touchdowns for Hampton Sydney. Stephen Hugney from Shenandoah, 294 total yards, three passing touchdowns, and an interception. We'll stay in the ODAC. Bridgewater took on Washington and Lee. Four minutes into the game, Anthony Crawford gets a four-yard touchdown run for WNL to make it a 7-0 lead. The Generals would have the same thing happen again 10 minutes later. Crawford, four yards for a 17-0 lead, Washington and Lee. Then later on, third quarter, 11:53 left, it was Marcus Payne, a 25-yard touchdown pass from Stephen Murin to make it 31-7. Bridgewater would try a late comeback, but it would fall short. Final score, Washington and Lee 31, Bridgewater 21. Murin, 253 total yards, one passing touchdown. Kennedy Fontenroy, 22 rushes, 136 yards, and one rushing touchdown for Bridgewater. We'll go to a big USA South game here as Huntingdon took on Brevard. We'll go seven seconds into the second quarter as Brevard's Jack Spots gets a five-yard touchdown pass from Ethan Beamish to make it 21-0 Brevard. They would lead 24-10 at halftime. In the third quarter, 12-17 left Huntington's Kahari McReynolds gets a four-yard touchdown run to bring the game within 24-17, Huntington down by seven, but it would be a 10-point game later with Brevard adding a field goal. Fourth quarter, a minute 11 into it, Troy Garner from Huntington. A two-yard touchdown run makes it 27-24. Then, four minutes later, Kahari McReynolds, a 16-yard touchdown run, 31-27. Huntington takes the lead. Later on, Beamish is intercepted late in the game by Ty Martinez. Later, Brevard would punt. Huntington would run out the clock. It basically, over three minutes they uh, had to run out, and they did so. 31-27, Huntington wins the game. Brevard led 24-10 at the half. Kahari McReynolds, 23 rushes, 166 yards, two rushing touchdowns in the game. 
We'll also tell you about ETBU at UMHB. No video here, but UMHB wins 21-12 in a really tight game for most of it. Kenneth Cormier Jr., 22 rushes, 91 yards, one rushing touchdown. Kenneth Bradley from ETBU and an 85-yard block PAT return, but again, they lose by nine, does ETBU in that game. Finally, we'll go into regions four through six. We'll start in the OAC, Mount Union at John Carroll. In this game, 12 minutes into it, Tyler Echeverry gets a one-yard touchdown run for Mount Union to make it 7-0 early. But just before the end of the first quarter, it's Evan McVeigh getting a two-yard touchdown run for John Carroll to tie the game at seven apiece. Five minutes into the second quarter, Braxton Plunk, a two-yard touchdown run, made it 14-7, Purple Raiders. And then four minutes later, Nick Turner gets a 13-yard touchdown pass from Braxton Plunk, 21-7. Here's that big defense from Mount Union showing their head here as Ian Sexton ends up with a 19-yard pick six to make it 28-7 with five minutes left in the second quarter. And it would be all Mount Union in this game, 49-14 over John Carroll. Braxton Plunk. 29 for 35, 281 yards, one rushing, three passing touchdowns. He's the second D3 quarterback with over 150 passing touchdowns. And Mount Union clinches their 34th OAC title. Also, Washington University at Wheaton. In the second quarter, 6.05 left. It's Seth Kortenhoven getting a 48-yard touchdown pass from Ben Thorson. That made it 14-10 in favor of Wheaton. Halftime score, though, was 14-13 Wheaton. The teams traded touchdowns in the third. In the fourth quarter, 8.57 left. Seth Kortenhoven gets a 23-yard touchdown pass from Ben Thorson. 28-20, Wheaton led. But WashU was not to be denied here, at least, to get back to a tie. 4.55 left. Fred Ware, an 8-yard touchdown run. The two-point conversion was good. We were tied at 28 apiece. And then WashU would actually take the lead. Kenneth Hamilton, a 3-yard touchdown run with 1.10 left, made it 35-28 in favor of WashU. Wheaton would make their way down the field with five seconds left. This happens. Thorson only rushed three, steps up in the pocket, is gonna say a prayer as he fires for the end zone. The pass is gonna be caught! caught. Oh Touchdown. my goodness! Silencio Bruno, what a play! And the Thunder, now one point away from tying the ball game. Corton Hoven with another touchdown. They would go for two after a timeout was taken. And here's what happened. Kornhoven in motion, and it'll be a toss to Giovanni Weeks. He's got the end zone! And the Thunder able to convert for two. This game is over. Wheaton. Giovanni Weeks with that two gives them the win, 36-35. My goodness, Ben Thorson, 16 for 28, 266 yards, five passing touchdowns. Matt Rush from Washu, 369 total yards, one passing touchdown. Also in the CCIW, Augustana took on Carthage. It was 3-0 Augustana at halftime. In the third quarter, two minutes into it, Tyler Ravelli gets a 58-yard touchdown run to make it 9-0 Augustana, but Carthage would rally back. Fourth quarter, 10-01 left. Bryce Frank, a one-yard touchdown run, made it 13-9. Carthage taking the lead. Then, two and a half minutes later, Augustinus Mike DeJoy gets a five-yard touchdown run to give his team the lead back 16-13. Carthage would punt with 5-11 left, but they would get the ball back with 3-17 left on the 13th play of the drive at the Augustina 40. It was 4th and 10, and it was incomplete. 
And that would pretty much do it in this game. 16-13, Augustana wins. Tyler Ravelli, 16 rushes, 145 yards, one rushing touchdown. Bryce Lowe for Carthage, 24 for 52, 198 yards, one passing touchdown. In the WEAC, it was UWL at UWRF. Second quarter, a minute and a half into it, lacrosse as Zachary Watson gets a 15-yard touchdown pass from Kaiser Helterbrand to give lacrosse a 21-7 lead. Halftime, 24-7 lacrosse. But then in the third quarter, they would increase it more as Helterbrand gets a one-yard touchdown run four minutes into that third quarter, 31-7, a 24-point lead, but wait a minute. 7.51 left, third quarter. Caleb Laha, a two-yard touchdown run, made it 31-13 in favor of lacrosse. River Falls continues the comeback. 10 seconds left, third quarter. Caleb Laha, two-yard touchdown run, 31 to 20 at that point. Then fourth quarter, midway through it, Caleb Laha with a one-yard touchdown run, 31-28 at this point. River Falls would get the ball back with 3.45 left at their 22-yard line. On the fourth play of the drive, fourth and five, Blaha gets a 19-yard completion of Luke Cush, continuing the drive. On the 13th play of the drive, they would get another pass completion, 12 yards to the 10-yard line of the cross. Eventually, they would kick a 27-yard field goal attempt. Snap, spot, kick is blocked. Oh! It's blocked by Lacrosse. It might have been a low kick. Lacrosse hangs on 31-28. Lacrosse had led 24-7 at halftime at 24 overall at one point. Blaha, 335 total yards, one passing, three rushing touchdowns. And you know about the field goal block as Lacrosse gets the pool a bid. Finally on video, Lake Forest took on Monmouth. 40 seconds left, second quarter. Nate Thornton gets a 12-yard touchdown pass for Monmouth from Carter Boyer to make it 16-0 on Monmouth. But Lake Forest would come back in this game. 2.06 left third quarter. Michael Kazimirovitz finds Trevor Land for a 71-yard touchdown pass. That made it 16-7 at that point. They chose to go for one instead of two. Fourth quarter, 8.17 left. It's A.J. Jackson as quarterback with a 23-yard touchdown run. 16-14, so within, three, within two points actually was Lake Forest at that point. But the Mama defense steps up twice here. Uh, first, an interception. Kasimirovitz was intercepted by Rockian Spinks, and that would thwart a uh, chance with 440 left. Then with 130 left, Kasimirovitz again is intercepted. Nick Harris this time for Monmouth gets the uh, ball. So later on, eventually a punt attempt by Monmouth, but it is blocked and gives the ball to Lake Forest at the Monmouth 14. The very next play, a field goal attempt, is blocked by Tevin Baker, of Monmouth, 24 seconds left, that would do it. Back-to-back -back blocks, never seen really before by many people uh, in any game. Final score, Monmouth 16, Lake Forest 14. A.J. Jackson for Lake Forest, 164 total yards, but Nate Thornton for Monmouth, five receptions, 75 yards, one receiving touchdown. Monmouth's defense and special teams had the game-winning field goal block with 30 seconds left. Finally, we just wanted to show you Co Dubuque, no video, but Co wins 23-20 to stay alive in a possible pool sea hunt, although they're a long shot, and it was an overtime game as K.C. Moore from Dubuque went 20-40, 287 yards, two passing touchdowns, and an interception. Carter Mask for Coe, 16 for 34, 168 yards, one passing touchdown, and that is crunch time for week 10 of the 2023 Division III college football season. Okay, 
where do we go from there? We go to our scoreboard slides, and we're going to let JB run you yeah. through some of the other scores here at this point. JB, take it away. Yeah, well, I think for uh, for Region 1, what really stands out to me, Frank, is this um, in the kind of lower right corner, Western New England winning big, 69. I think that's 28. I don't have my glasses on. I'm a little getting old, so it's hard for me to, to read type from that far away. But this is a big win for the Golden Bears because it improves their CCC record to 3-1, and one, and they're effectively in second place and can potentially now um, either host or be invited to probably – Taking it on the road for one of the new one of the two New England Bowls that'll be played next weekend on, on November 18th. If you've never heard of them, uh, there's four teams from the four New England conferences. Typically, the runners-up who don't get into the playoffs. Right now, WNE is probably vaulted into that spot for the CCC. So, congrats to them. I think they just have one more game left, and if they win. You can pretty much uh, you know, lock them in for some bonus football. Same thing with Salve, Frank. Uh, an impressive 49 to nothing win over SUNY Maritime in the NUMAC. They are going to likely get a uh, New England bid bowl from the, from the NUMAC, assuming that things play out the way we think. Um, they're locked in second place right now there. And you know, first year in the league to get into a postseason bowl game for them. Pretty impressive uh, you know, run there for Coach Gil Martin and the Seahawks. Seahawks, yeah, the Seahawks, yeah. There we go. I'll take us to uh, Region 2 real quick here and uh, highlight the uh, Moravian Lycoming score being very important because that keeps uh, Lycoming alive despite their 4-5 and five record for a potential Pool A bid if they can beat Susquehanna somehow, some way, on Saturday. So the landmark is not decided yet thanks to that score right there. Uh, there are also other scores to look at on uh, page two here. Carnegie Mellon is uh, still the only uh, pack team that can uh, be 9-1, and one, aside from Grove City. Obviously, they were to lose the teal uh, on Saturday. But uh, let's say in the Pool C hunt, uh, Carnegie Mellon is the uh, team that remains alive. They will face uh, Case Western, obviously, who also won against Allegheny. But uh, they have two losses, uh, Carnegie Mellon with one loss at this point. And you see some other scores there. Uh, one thing to point out in Region 2 is all Friday games in the NJAC, uh, there's a chance for the five-way tie, there's a chance for three-way yep. tie, four-way tie, but Christopher Newport can win the thing outright if they can beat TCNJ this evening with their 7 o'clock start time. Uh, and I will be watching Muhlenberg-Montclair simultaneous to that. That is a game with no implications realistically for the NJAC, but it could have implications for Muhlenberg and Pool C should Union lose. We'll talk more about that in a little bit, but I'll give you the slate here for Region 3, if you'd like, sir. Yeah, sure. And so in, in Region 3, we didn't see anything kind of, you know, surprising other than the fact, I mean, maybe, you know, Brevard, you know, losing late to, to Huntington. That vaulted uh, the Hawks into the regional rankings and helped push Barry up and uh, helps their uh, Pool C chances. So that was interesting. Uh, Hampton, Sydney, Shenandoah, as you saw from the video, great game. Washington and Lee winning is important because now I think they are, speaking of second place teams and bowl games, they're in a very prime position to host one of the first ever uh, Chesapeake Bowl Series games between uh, the ODAC and the Landmark. It's a new bowl series that starts this year. I believe the top seed from the ODAC hosts the sort of the second seed from the landmark and, and vice versa. Uh, right now it's looking like Lyco could be that potential um, either road or, or home team, depending on how things shake out with them. Um, otherwise, no real surprises here, Frank, kind of chalk across the board in Region 3. 
Indeed, and as uh, I set you up here uh, to talk about uh, regions four through six, we'll put the uh, slate of the uh, scores that we talked about in crunch time themselves, uh, and you can see them all laid out there in case you missed any of the stats. Uh, I will point Look out how close overall these games here, are. I know, <laughs> Man, uh, except for that upper left. Uh, the upper left is the only exception, and we thought yeah. that one would be closer. Yeah. To be honest with you. But uh, Wash U uh, with, uh, you know, Wheaton having to go for two after a Hail Mary to win. You know, Wheaton is not a sure thing. And that's something uh, you have to no. pay attention to here. And, you know, Coe has a game coming up uh, and so does Central. And, you know, with respect to Wartburg being ahead of North Central in the Region 5, if Coe or Central were to lose, it would hurt Wartburg's chances to stay in that position because they're propping up Wartburg in Region 5 right now above North Central. So keep that in mind. Uh, we will talk about uh, at least one of those games coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but in the meantime, here's the uh, rest of uh, 4 through 6. JV, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, there's there's almost too many scores to go through here, so I'll highlight a few. Um, on the lower left, Hope beating Trine ends their season at, at uh, eight and two. Their strength of schedule, Frank, is now in the top ten in the nation, and that's why they have elevated so high in the region for uh, rankings. Um, they might steal a pool C bid from somebody um, because of this. We'll have to wait and see what shakes out on Sunday, but a great season for um, the Flying Dutchman, and so we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, Minnesota Morris beating Martin Luther is important because uh, the UMAC is going to need to send somebody to the tournament. Minnesota Morris is in a prime position with a game this weekend against, I think, the vending champs Northwestern of Minnesota. Not the one on, on the lake in Chicago, but the, uh, the Northwestern in Minnesota um, for the UMAC title. So that, that, will, that will also claim a Poulet bid. And this uh, top one in the, in the right, Platteville beating Oshkosh was a little bit of a surprise to me. I mean, the, you know, the Pioneers are always, you know, tough, and they were excited to, to get that, I think, this axe kind of a rivalry trophy um, thing back. But, you know, I thought I thought the season the Titans would take a, a, another jump up, and it just seems like they've been, they're just close, but not quite there yet. So uh, that stood out to me as kind of a surprising score. Um, you know, 82 points by Loris was, <laughs> I guess, interesting, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not really that significant. Rivalry games will be taking center stage in much of uh, Division Three on Week 11. Uh, Dutchman Shoes game, uh, the Mercer County uh, Cup, uh, the Keystone Cup, uh, among other things. Secretary's Cup, we'll talk Secretary's about a lot more Cup. later. Yeah, exactly. Cortica. Oh, wait. Cortica. You mentioned Cortica. Uh, well, why don't we go to some post-game interviews we had with Cortland, in which we discussed some of the meaning behind Cortica, despite the fact that both teams have clinched uh, this year. Neither team can go undefeated though this year because they both have one loss, Ithaca to, Hop or, yeah, Ithaca to Hopkins, Cortland to Susquehanna. But uh, it's still a very meaningful game and back on a college campus instead of at Yankee Stadium this year. Here is our uh, set of interviews coming up here and then we will go into week 11. It wasn't mode. a 10-7 game. I don't know what happened here. Uh, Where's JB on that? Uh, JB, uh, you're, you're in trouble, but I do have some news for you. He, he told me uh, during the game he may be picking you guys in Cortica, which is like a reverse jinx thing. I don't, I don't know if I want that. Yeah, I know. I think I learned that from Coach Milne, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah the JB curse. But, Coach, uh, I don't think many people, except for maybe your team, thought this game would turn into, at one point, a 35-point game, end up winning by 24 here. What was it about this 
defense especially that you thought could maybe get five picks, six turnovers, et cetera, in this I, game? I knew that our defense was, was ready to have a big, uh, a big day. Um, we've been getting better all year. We've been banged up on defense, got some key guys back. Our, our best corner, Mark Noel, didn't play until halfway through the year with a hamstring injury. And um, I knew that we are, I knew our best defense was still, was, was still ahead. So, um, you know, we were just waiting. We were getting better. We have a freshman safety, Sam Cotton, who played outstanding today. That one-handed INT. one-handed INT yep. as, a, as, as a true freshman, you know. And, and we've been getting better all year, and we can see it in practice. And, um, you know, our guys, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, they, they were a little, had a chip on their shoulder because all the talk about Brockport's defense. Um, that I, I knew that we could come out here and, and, and play and hold these guys down. They're a great team, but I just had confidence in us, and I'm glad for our defense, our defensive players. This is an outstanding performance. During our show on Friday, we talked about what your guys learned from the Susquehanna game. Sometimes maybe taking a loss at least gets you the education of certain things you got to correct. You didn't let your foot off the gas pretty much yeah. in this game. I mean, what did that come from that Susquehanna game, the ability to tell these guys never take anything for granted? Yeah, I think, I think partially um, in the second half we did. We wanted to throw the ball and, and stay aggressive even though, even though we had the lead. We did take that a little bit from the Susquehanna game, but it's two different games. In the Susquehanna game, we just didn't execute even our, run, our runs that we had chances, and they made some great plays too. And today, I think it wasn't necessarily play calling here or there or being more aggressive. It was the intent of our players to make sure that we're executing just as we did in the first, first quarter and the fourth quarter. So let's talk offense for a moment here. We talked a lot about defense, but Zach has a certain swagger and maturity about him right now. I was watching him on the sideline all day. Obviously, Cole Burgess uh, coming back here for uh, some unfinished business, it seems like, including, I think, Cortica coming up next week. More on that in a second, though. Tell me how proud you are of that offense. I'm extremely proud. Um, these guys are a pleasure to coach. They work extremely hard. We coach them hard. They love it. They want more. Um, they're selfless. You know, we have a lot of really good players on offense. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't, it's not about the ball to them. They, they, you know, if they get the ball, fine. If they don't get the ball, fine. If we throw it, fine. If we run it, fine. They just want to succeed and score points and win. Um, and uh, we played a really good defense today, and I thought we played well. But it wasn't, wasn't perfect either. Um, but I thought we were steady, led by Zach. Uh, Burgess and Lapp were making plays all day when they had a, when they, when they had a chance. Um, and uh, we ran the ball. We ran the ball well, too, against a team that doesn't give up many rushing yards. Okay, so next week is a big game in many different ways. Okay, playoff seeding matters here. Obviously, both teams with one loss, and the the loser will probably be on the road. The winner may be at home in the first yeah. round, and that's important stuff, but it's also Cortica. How do you posture yourself to avoid injury now already being in the clubhouse uh, with the Empire 8 schedule for a game like Cortica, a rivalry game like that? Um, you know, we want to win this game badly. Badly, as does as does Ithaca. You know, we know we're in this. We're both teams were in the same position last year. We were both undefeated. Now we both have one loss, but we're both going to the tournament. Um, you know, our team's going to be ready to play against a great team. I mean, Ithaca is a very well coached team, extremely talented. We know them well. They know us well. Um, it's going to be a great game, but we're not holding anything back. You know, and I don't expect them to either. We're trying to win this game, and um, for our team, for our alumni, for everyone who. Uh, every all, all the Cortland fans and alums from across the country, you know, we want to represent them with pride, uh, win or lose. But you know, we're we're excited to play this game, as I'm sure Ithaca and Coach Turper is too. I saw uh, Cole Burgess uh, emotional about winning the title today, but he said to me, 
after I uh, talked about uh, Portico still to come, he said, I need to win it. I haven't won it yet. Yeah. I mean, and that tells you, these seniors, how important would it be for you to have them go yeah, out? Yeah, I mean, that? he wasn't here in 2021. That's yep. the part, you know, where yep. we, 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 That's right we won in 2021, and he, he wasn't able to be a part of that yep. team. Um, so this is, special, this is special to him, but, you know, we're going to want to win very much, and so, so, are that, so are they. It's... You know, it's just going to come down to execution, as as always. We're not going to tr we're not going to make it bigger than it needs to be. Um, I don't I don't think we play our best when that's the case. Do you give them a day off? No, we're going to be back lifting tomorrow, ah. watching film. You know, football football players, football coaches. We love our routine, so we got our normal Sunday routine. We're going to get right back after You're it. You're going to let them have a little fun tonight, though. I bet. Um, I'm sure I don't have to let them. I'm yeah. sure they're going to. Yeah. Coach, congratulations to you. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for being here. Thank you. A full defensive effort here uh, from top to bottom. Five INTs. You were not any of those INTs, but uh, you uh, had a couple sacks and some important uh, activity in the backfield. Were you surprised at all by how strong this defense played uh, for your team? No, sir. No, sir. Uh, we talked about this week. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about their defense, when, and rightly so because they've been flying around all year. But uh, definitely gave us a chip on our shoulder. And we knew we had to make them one-dimensional. So, you know, we just got to stop that run, and then we knew we could tee off. They get, listen, they're, they're a physical team. They're a great team, but uh, we brought the effort today. We're playing for something bigger. A lot of seniors on this team, so, yeah. I, I talked to Coach about it a little bit, but I want to hear from a player. What did you personally learn from that Susquehanna game that enabled you to keep the foot on the gas defensively, especially? Yeah, you gave up a couple later touchdowns, but it was really never in doubt in this game like it was uh, late with Susquehanna. Mm -hmm. What did you learn? Big thing was don't look at the scoreboard. You know, you can't be satisfied. And uh, in that game, we were up, and you know, maybe we let some things slip. And and you know, things happen quick. And football is a humbling sport. And we learned that early on this year. A lot of these guys we've seen. I came in. I've only seen success here. So, you know, for us to to learn that lesson early was big for us. And although it hurt a lot, it was it it created a lot of positives for us. And that's why we were you know able to pull this one out today. So. Cortica next, then yes, a playoff sir. game after that. It, you know, some teams would say, oh, we'll rest our uh, starters, uh, you, know, you know, if we're already in the playoffs. You guys have a lot to play for next week. Besides the Cortica judge, you have playoff positioning as well. Yep. Tell me how you view this whole progression coming up over the next couple of weeks, personally. Sticking to the plan, man. You know, this has been the plan all year. And, um, you know, as great as this is, and, and, and we wanted this one really bad, uh, we're not just playing for EA championships, you know. So that's we've got big goals, and we gotta, you know, keep our eyes forward, but focus small, like we always do. Well, I'm gonna give you a chance for shout-outs and the family, friends, teammates, etc. You might want to put the shades on. Yeah. Uh, which hold on, let, let's oh, show everybody oh. if we can real quick give here. A look. They uh, do say uh, this was somebody uh, not affiliated with the team directly that yeah. had these pre-printed. I warned everybody. I don't know who it, it was. It was not presumptuous. But uh, go ahead to, with any shout-outs to family, friends, teammates. Uh, first and foremost, I want to shout out that D-line unit, man. Love those guys and this defense. A lot of there's freshmen on this team. There's old guys. Everybody meshes together. I can't say enough about this group. I love this team. And, uh, you know, my mom, my dad, they're here right now. My sister, uh, it's so awesome. And you can't really get this uh, a lot of places like you can in Cortland. And uh, it means a lot. Max, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank I appreciate you. it. I've done this uh, before, at least with both of you separately. I can't remember if it was together or not. But, I mean, how sweet is this one for you, Cole? I'm going to start with you. Three touchdowns, a 71-yard touchdown. Uh, really got things into where I would call undoubted uh, territory for uh, what was going to happen to your team. How does this feel? Um, yeah, it's bittersweet. You know, I've been dealing with some stuff throughout the season, not fully healthy, but lately I just got finally healthy. And I've been wanting to put, put on a show. I've been wanting to win a 
championship like this for a while now. Like this is a winner take all one. This is this is a big one. You know, we've had wins in the past, but this is the one where Bropper could have won and they would have won it right there on the spot, but we won it and we got the we got the hardware for it right now. Zach, I saw this guy a little emotional after the game, and uh, you were one of the people who went up to congratulate him. Uh, how important was it for you to see a guy like this get another Empire A championship in the bag here as we lead up to Cortica? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the things that um, that this guy's gone through, how hard he works, you know, like it's really all of our seniors, man. They, they've, they've been here for four years. They've put in the time. They really established the culture, you know, and, um, you know, just to see this guy get back healthy was – was huge for us today you know as you can see um i'm so i'm so proud of our guys I'm so proud of this guy right here too man i mean he made it he made a ton of plays today and we had some fun but um you know it's emotional man it really is like this is why you play the game but we're, we're looking for more but you know you got to celebrate the little the little things and this was very special i've asked everybody i'm going to ask you guys now from your own words what did you learn from the susquehanna game i, I mean a game that you seem to have in control uh and then it, it was gone before your very eyes what happened in there did it help you in a game like today not take your foot off the gas absolutely absolutely i think the, the biggest thing we learned is that we got to play 60 minutes of football you know we played 55 minutes of very good football versus that team um but that's why you play 60 right yep. you know and we just learned that you know we can never get complacent with with um where we're at in the game you know we have to keep the foot on the gas and that's you know from everything i think everybody in the program learned that you know from the top down and um you know we we really pride ourselves on being uh being the aggressor and um being a physical team and being ones that you know take advantage of, of shot plays and having having a lot of fun so i think that was just the main thing we took away from it was that you know when you play really good teams you have to play 60 minutes you know you can't just play 55 so um it was good to see the day that when we for us to battle and stuff jerry boys taught him well i think uh through childhood <laughs> that's that, a lot of coaches i'm there what did you learn uh terrible loss the, the loss is stung you know we were crying after that game but those were different tears today we had different tears and th those felt good but we learned that we could be, we could lose we were beatable and uh if we don't play our our best football for 60 minutes then teams like that are going to beat us so we knew coming in here we had to play hard for 60 minutes and that's what we did cool come here yeah come here buddy ah hi buddy hi so in the meantime we've added uh somebody to our production stage yeah. here who is this oh yeah this is my nephew it's my nephew cooper cooper yeah he's... how you doing buddy what, are you proud of him <laughs> you proud of him Coop? oh yeah he's a good one well, listen, guys, Cortica coming up next, obviously. Yeah, for as much as you want to enjoy this one, you will tonight, obviously. But Cortica is something important to you especially. We'll start with you. Yeah, well, you know I haven't won yet, so this is going to be our first time. My first time, too, playing in Ithaca. I'm excited. Hopefully, we can just carry this the momentum over there and, and get the dub. But for right now, I'm just trying to enjoy this one for tonight. Tomorrow, that's when we start focusing on Ithaca. But right now, let's enjoy this dub. QB1? Absolutely, man. You know, we, you got to enjoy these moments. You know, this is why you play the game, and it's it's um, it's a big part of, you know, this is our first goal, right? You got you to gotta win the E8 so then we can punch our ticket, and then we got the next goal next week. And, um, you know, there's a lot of guys that played on that team last year that have a very bittersweet feeling about how we played in, uh, in the biggest stage. And um, I'm excited for our guys to, to get some, uh, to play them again and have some fun. Well, you had a lot of fun today, I could tell, uh, as thing, uh, things developed here. 41-17 uh, victory, but before we go, you guys know what comes up next. Oh, yeah. Shout-outs, family, friends, teammates, etc. Take the stage. I'll go first. Uh, Shout-out to my mom and dad, my friends and family that always support me. They always come to every game, and, yeah, I love you, mom and dad. And I want to shout-out my teammates, my quarterback, throwing me the ball, my, the whole line blocking, just everybody on the team, man. I love you guys. I love my coaches, and 
we're gonna keep on going. You're gonna see our faces again. So. Yep. Shout out to all my boys back home, man. Shout out to uh, to this guy right here, JJ Lap. Um, you know, we, we we got some really special dudes, man. So I can't thank those guys enough. Shout out to Coach Fitz, man. Best coach around. He puts us in great situations, and uh, you know, go Dragons. <laughs> Go Dragons. Y'all look good in shades, including Coach Pitts. 4117, <laughs> congratulations on the EA championship. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, you've seen the best of week 10, and we began to get yeah. you ready for week 11. Uh, and uh, this is uh, the big week for so many different reasons. We're going to start right off with uh, looking at Region 1 preview and then go to our first uh, live guest here. Uh, there's a guy that looks a little familiar on this uh, that's not the current yeah. coach, but, it, you know, we still like him nonetheless there, uh, the Tooper. Uh, but, uh, JB, take us through this one. Yeah, there's some fantastic matchups in, in Region 1 this weekend. Lots of rivalry games. I mean, Widener-Delval is a great matchup at, at noon. And you got Williams-Amherst, the oldest little game in the country. Um, a lot of bragging rights there in the NESCAC for that one. Salve-Regina um, can punch their ticket to the New England Bowl, the win at Norwich. Bridgewater State and Mass Maritime play for the Cranberry um, Bowl. See that thing on the right? That's a I guess that's what they use in, in scooping up cranberries. It's kind of an old school, uh, long time New England tradition. So that's exciting. Merchant Marine Coast Guard, the Secretary's Cup. I mean, it's Veterans Day weekend. It's going to be on ESPN Plus. Should be a great matchup. Plymouth State versus UMass Dartmouth. If the Corsairs win this game, Frank, I think based on the tiebreakers with everything in the MASCAC that they would punch their ticket to the tournament. We'll have to wait and see there. Misericordia takes on FDU Forum. The Devils are fighting for a shot at the ECAC Bowl. We'll know about those matchups on noon at uh, this Monday after the tournament selections are done. Tufts Middlebury. I believe Middlebury, well, they can't win this weekend because there's those delayed games on the 18th, but they have a head-to-head -head victory over um, over Trinity, so they're hoping to keep things going. Tufts is 6-2 and two in the league, so this is a big matchup for the NESCAC uh, championship potentially for the Panthers. So let me actually correct you on something because I think it's urgent to do it here right now because sure. what's happening in the MASCAC is the following. Uh, their tiebreaker, if everybody wins out, ultimately is going to be strength of schedule. Uh, but if teams uh, in the top two are within .02 of each other, they'll go to best overall record. The way it looks right now is if Merchant Marine wins, believe it or not, this is how it's going to play out. If Merchant Marine wins, it helps out ultimately with the Westcon situation because Westcon had played Merchant Marine earlier in the season and so it helps their strength of schedule out and would actually take them beyond .02 of the next team so they would win via the strength of schedule tiebreaker if Merchant Marine wow. wins. If they don't, then we're not sure that we wouldn't have another tie. If we go to the fourth tiebreaker, it will would be Mass Dartmouth if everybody wins out here uh, this weekend, uh, out of the two teams that are remaining to play. 
Believe it or not, that's what we're down wow, to crazy. in Division Three. Teddy Brunger, I don't know if that makes you feel any better to hear that other teams are out there rooting for you out there, uh, namely WestCon. But uh, welcome to our show, senior linebacker from Merchant Marine Academy. How are you? Doing great, sir. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, we are uh, thrilled to have you guys. I, I didn't get my uh, annual trip to Merchant Marine Academy, and Coach Kroll will never let me forget it, I'm sure, uh, this season. But nonetheless, uh, we've been watching you guys for sure, and it's been another strong season. Uh, before we get to the discussion about the Secretary's Cup, how has this team matured throughout the season, especially on defense with your guys? Yes, sir. Um, it's truly been an amazing experience. Uh, our underclassmen worked their butts off, and, uh, you know, we couldn't really ask for anything more. Um, we show up every day, uh, work our butts off. The, uh, the coaches set up a perfect game plan. Um, our practices are super high tempo, so we get that conditioning in. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're all together all the time. Um, our school's very regimented, so we work together. Uh, when we go off at ships, we keep in touch, and I feel like that keeps the bond um, going. And it, there's good chemistry on this team, so we play for one another like it's our last every single day. Yeah, and Teddy, and being a, you know at a service academy, you're not going to have any you know fifth year seniors. You guys are, are also doing you know C years and this type of thing. I mean, what was it like for you in your career, you know, kind of starting off with, with COVID and, and, you know, you're not bringing guys back. You're always, you know, new recruits, new plebes coming in. And how, how have you had to develop, um, you know, the next group of Mariners, you know, being you know, kind of learning from what you guys have experienced through, the, through those COVID years onto where you are now? Yes, sir. So, you know, it's definitely difficult um, seeing a new face every year, seeing guys go. Um, but the people that come to this school, the guys that come to this school are different. And, um, you know, they make decisions that make the team look good and we do the right thing. So having that good character around all the time and always pushing each other, got like our, our offense and defense are so competitive. We'll do two minutes and two minutes, uh, almost like scrimmage type stuff. And, uh, you know, we'll be chirping each other and, and we'll get after it and, you know, we'll be clapping each other's faces. But at the end of the day, we all love each other. And I mean, that's the biggest thing is that competition, keeping it going. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're all just brothers, just playing the sport we love. So, Well, Teddy, uh, you know, being a senior, you've seen the Secretary's Cup game a few times, obviously. Uh, I think you were there uh, when Coach Toop won his uh, last one, if I remember correctly. And uh, you, I think you may have even been there. Correct me if I'm wrong. If, were you a freshman during the 2020 uh, game, uh, the COVID game uh, back one? Yes, sir. That was uh, my first collegiate start on, on the kickoff team. So I was flying down there, super excited to play. And, uh, yeah, we were getting after it. Um, so we have three stars right now. And uh, we're working towards four, so. Well, and that's what I was leading up to. I mean, that's a rarity uh, when it comes to rivalry games in any uh, of the football uh, rivalries we talk about. And there's plenty of them on this weekend. But for you guys to be able to get the fourth star, possibly, what would that mean? I'm not trying to give them uh, bulletin board material over in uh, New London. But nonetheless, I mean, it's got to mean something to you guys if you're able to get that fourth star. Absolutely. Um, you know, we know Coast Guard's going to come out swinging. Uh, 
Uh, this is the D3 football rivalry game, I believe. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're a great team. they got great athletes. But one thing uh, Coach Kroll and Coach Passante uh, really harp on is focusing on us and focusing on the little things. Um, this season, sadly, we still haven't seen a full game been put to put together on both sides. Um, so I think uh, what we got to do is just, you know, play under control, keep the uh, motions in check, and then just play Kings Point football. Well, Teddy, I know um, that you're about an hour and a half away from where I'm sitting here in the Orlando suburbs. Um, you know, Melbourne, Florida, I believe. So east coast of a uh, Florida guy. What what led you to decide to, you know, enlist and, and go up to um, Kings Point? You know, it's kind of funny. Um, originally, I wanted to go to either the Coast Guard Academy or, or Navy, um, as is every person that is looking for a service academy um, that wants to work on ships. And then I saw on uh, Twitter actually that Coach Crow was in the area and uh, and I was like Merchant Marine Academy I've never heard of that so I reached out to him and he was like yeah sure let's meet and he gave me like the Sea Air packet and everything uh, Merchant Mariners do and um, just honestly I was like really surprised I had no clue uh, you know what the Merchant Marine Academy even was and then I did some research and I came up here for my visit and uh, um, our seniors last year were my uh, people that I was shadowing. So just really great guys and fell in love with just the program itself. Uh, we woke up at five in the morning and we were all standing down there and uh, Coach Toop was playing, uh, you know, the classic rock and roll with the cutoff and all the guys were just <laughs> after it down in the weight room. And I was like, this is a program I want to be a part of. This is what winning every day looks like to me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it doesn't really get much better than that. And now Co Coach Kroll is uh, the head coach now, so it's kind of cool um, looking back at it that eventually the head coach recruited me to be here. So I was. Um, it's been a good transition, and, uh, you know, Coach Kroll's been killing it. Uh, I know our senior class loves him, so. Well, I think you lose push-ups every time you give a Coach Kroll reference here. So just keep doing it. It'll be okay. It'll be good. Uh, but listen, I, I'm the X's and O's uh, you know, guy. Not really. It's actually him. But I'm going to uh, pretend to be for a minute here. Coast Guard has uh, had one of these weird seasons. And so how do you look at this team right now? What What is Coast Guard offensively from what you can tell? You know, let, let folks out there that haven't seen – Coast Guard on offense or Merchant Marine on defense know what maybe we're going to expect here because Coast Guard scored 93 against Anna Maria, but they basically almost had a win-loss, win-loss, win-loss thing going on throughout this season on their win-loss record. So kind of give us a little bit of uh, X and O uh, approach here from uh, your side of the ball and then what you're going to see across the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said before, Coast Guard has a good athletes. They're a good team and they're going to come out swinging because this is the game. Um, defensively, we're, you know, since they got good athletes, like, we feel like they're going to do everything. They're going to try to establish a run game on us, and they're going to try to throw the ball. So we just got to play sound defense. Um, you know, both guys up front, um, we're service academy guys, so we can't be overly big because we have to pass, uh, you know, our physical fitness assessment. So 
Um, there's going to be a lot faster tempo game. All the guys up front is going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of quick movement. Um, so I feel like we just got to fit gaps and play good defense in the secondary. And I mean, I feel like that's it. You may be smaller, but you're barely fitting in that shirt. I can tell right now. So you're, you're, you don't overplay this whole <laughs> I'm really small BS to us here, uh, Teddy. We, 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 we've seen uh, enough uh, Merchant Marine guys to know, yeah, okay, maybe you're slightly smaller than the guys uh, across the line type thing. But uh, you guys are definitely holding your own out there. That's for sure. JB, go ahead. So, Teddy, uh, you know, everyone knows about the Mariners uh, – fabled triple option rushing attack. You guys are usually always in the you know top three rushing um, you know yards per game, national leaders every year. But something happened this year. Some guy named Towson Smith all of a sudden was catching these long touchdown passes. It's a whole new thing. Was there a time in practice, you know, as a defensive player, you were, you know, I imagine there might have been a couple of times where this guy all of a sudden was like, wait, wait a minute, where did that go? Where did that come from? Was that a new wrinkle this year that that was kind of I mean fun for you as a as a defensive player to see okay look at our look at our oh we're shaking it up a little bit yeah no uh, like I was saying with our two minute uh, like kind of scrimmage um, yeah that guy catches everything he's like Houdini I don't know how he does it sometimes um, but it, it's good it's good so we'll uh, you know we'll play. Uh, man on man and a little cover too and like see um how Towson can adjust to it and uh yeah man I mean that guy you know can burn us catch crazy crazy balls but yeah. um you know at yeah. the end of the day um I and I don't think our team focus on focuses on one individual um we try to you know set him up um you know by running the ball and, I mean, I think that's what really does it. Uh, Jervy Alota has been doing great this year at playing the triple and also being a passing threat. So, I mean, I mean, I feel like it takes – I mean, it does take all 11 for us. But, but Teddy, Talson Smith across the middle in practice, coming at Teddy Brunger in the linebacker slot. I mean, who's winning that? <laughs> I mean – we we don't hit in practice. We don't hit blue on blue. So I'm hitting that wrap up. But Fair enough. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw I this it. is something I wanted to, to throw out there, Teddy. You know, um, I saw there was a recently a tweet or a press release. Apparently, both starting quarterbacks in this game are from Southern California. And in fact, I think they're both from San Diego. You're from Florida. I mean, obviously, when, you, when you're talking about a service academy type of situation, you have guys from literally all over the country. I mean, what's it been like for you as a, as a Mariner to just, you know, play football with, but also work alongside, go out to sea, you know, do all these things with, with this group of people that it's just probably one of the most diverse national um, you know, gatherings of, of student athletes as they're out there, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, the great thing about that is everyone has different perspectives and different leadership styles, especially at being at a service academy. You know, you get, you're talking to someone with good character and someone that's looking out for your best interest. Um, so just developing from a four cla fourth classman into a first classman, um, I mean, you really can't go wrong. You're you're constantly building your leadership style the way you want, just based on the ways different guys have been raised or 
are seeing different stuff throughout their life. Um, so I, mean, I saw coming up here um, a picture of Matt Restifo, and to this day, um, you know, I text the guy, and he's one of my favorite uh, and most memorable seniors on this team just because of COVID year and going through a really tough time and transitioning yeah. into the and uh, the guy was a foot football guy too, so absolutely love the guy. Teddy, uh, we could talk to you all day. Uh, you're a phenomenal guest. I, I see why Coach Kroll uh, said uh, you're going to have Teddy on uh, for sure. Uh, one thing I'm going to say, we don't have a uh, Coast Guard player. We will have a Coast Guard-based uh, guest in a little bit, uh, Coach George, uh, former head coach. Uh, so uh, I just want to say to all the guys in this game, we have the utmost respect and love for you guys, for what you do, what you're going to do for our country and the sacrifices you're making along the way and to be able to play football on top of it and you know do what you guys do i don't know how you do it even with all the things i juggle in life you guys juggle a lot more so thank you for everything you're doing thank you for uh you know making this game always exciting uh, especially on veterans day weekend the service you provide and the uh, memories that you honor in this whole thing are very very important as you know but the last thing we're going to ask you to do is give shout outs to any family, friends, teammates, etc. The floor is all yours. Teddy Brunger, go ahead. Uh, yeah, thank you guys again. I uh, really appreciate it. So I'm going to call out my parents and my brothers. Uh, they're coming up to the game. So I'm really, really excited to see them and uh, put on a show for them. And then uh, our D-line unit. Um, thank you guys. Been working our butts off all year. And uh they're the guys that consume blocks so the linebackers can make the plays. If it weren't for them, you know, we, we wouldn't be able to do anything. And then lastly, Coach Pisante, uh, you know, he's our DC. He's been putting in the work and um, coaching us up. And I've never played for a better defensive coordinator in my life. So um, really respect the guy and really appreciate all the time he puts in. Thank you, sir, uh, for everything you do, like I said, yeah, and thanks, for being a tremendous guest here. Uh, thanks, best Coach. of luck. Thanks, Coach Kroll. Yeah, see, I, we, we do know he's in the background, <laughs> uh, but uh, Kroll is uh, a friend tried and true of our show, and uh, we appreciate him as well. But uh, send our best to everybody out uh, in Mariner's land over there in Kings Point. Go ahead, Coach. Pop in. Say hi. Go ahead. We, we see you. <laughs> this is a service academy. We're not on, uh, you know, mayor time here. I, it's, I'm sorry. I I, I will we were do late. better next time, we were coach. Late. Yes, we were. I'll do. But, I'm uh, do look 25 at, push-ups or something right after this. Look, <laughs> look at the content in the show. I mean, you got crunch time. You got Cortland interviews. You got Teddy Brunger for a good 20 minutes. We're gonna have Coach George on. We're gonna talk regional yeah. rankings. I mean, come on, guy. I, I, but we're late. You're right. So we're gonna get going here, guys. Thanks again. Good luck to everybody. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Teddy Gotta Brunger, love the uh, guys. I, yeah. yeah, absolutely. A quick shout absolutely. out to Frank. Let me just let me just rattle this off real quick. So Teddy has knocked down. Let's see, twenty-four solo tackles leads the team. Forty-one overall, which is tied for the team lead. Eight tackles for loss, four sacks, two pass breakups, a forced fumble. Having a great season from uh, let's see, yeah, from Melbourne Central Catholic, India Atlantic, Florida, uh, a senior, and um, awesome to have uh, some a little more Florida on the show, Frank. And look, I even wore my, uh, my Predators, you know, the Orlando Predators shirt, a little, you know, obviously camo style, but um, yeah, we got Florida represented.
But yeah, we got some other stuff to talk about. Let's go. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're going to get to Coach George in a little bit, but let's go through some of our preview slides here for other games throughout the country. Um, you got the shoes mm -hmm. and you got Cortica. I mean, and there's uh, Region 2. No, there's a lot more in Region 2 than just that because yeah. Region 2 holds the link to a lot of different issues with respect to Pool C. Um, Union RPI, essentially Union, we believe, is going to be a selected team if they beat RPI. But if they lose, which is very possible in that game, as always, uh, yeah. then that opens up the door for somebody, insert name here, Muhlenberg would be on the table, obviously, uh, unless they lose to Montclair tonight. But we'll get to that later. We'll see what happens tonight. But, JB, other things going on there, Christopher Newport, TCNJ, for the championship for Christopher Newport, and a week-delayed Pool A bid. Uh, and then yep. uh, some other things like combing Susquehanna for the landmark uh, is still mm -hmm. up for grabs. Grove City trying for 10-0 for the first time ever is on the table. Yeah. Case and Carnegie Mellon, if Carnegie Mellon board. watches, yeah, but if Carnegie Mellon wins and watches, uh, the fact they're playing that at seven, oh my God, that's, I didn't realize that. That is just absolutely screwing over the uh, committee because they can't really do anything <laughs> until that game is over at 10 o'clock or thereabouts. If those guys go to overtime, the committee's going to come and personally hunt them down at that point. I, I can't believe uh, they got mm. away with scheduling that game at seven, but if Union and Muhlenberg have lost by that point, then Carnegie Mellon would be the team on the table. And obviously it's a tough one because they'll have a 500 strength of schedule, yada, yada. We know all about it. They've, beat, they've lost to Grove City. Yeah. That's their only regionally ranked team. So we get it. But that's the things that you'll be looking for throughout this weekend, ultimately. I say the shoes. You say Cortica. Is there anything else to say at this point? Uh, you know, not really. I mean, you know, there's a bunch of rivalry games this weekend. I mean, Hobart Rochester, the Centennial Cup, you got the Academic Bowl with Case. You know, Grove City, Teal, the, you know, that, that, there's just lots of cup games in Region 2. Trophies were with jugs, with shoes. It's going to be, it's going to be wild. <laughs> Region 3 has Hampton, Sydney, Randolph, Macon for a rivalry game. Uh, Brevard, game. Bellhaven is for the uh, USA South uh, crown for Bellhaven specifically. If they were to lose, Huntingdon yeah. would be waiting there. If Huntingdon and uh, Bellhaven both lose, then Brevard would basically get that pool a bid. So obviously Brevard a long shot, but still alive. Uh, Washington Lee is ranked, don't forget, so if something weird happens somewhere else, they could become the team on the table at that point in time. Uh, and yep. you see this Harden-Simmons ETBU game, it doesn't matter what Harden-Simmons does at this point because they're going to be playing Trinity yeah. in round one, period. Okay? Yeah, we know the matchup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As long as Trinity wins, they'll host the game, it looks like, based on the way things are set up mm -hmm. right now. And UMHB Howard yeah. Payne, Lines up interestingly. I mean, Howard Payne wants a signature win. To go out with a win against UMHB would be such a thing. Landon McKinney for Landon had a McKinney. Hell of a season, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So some good games in Region Three, although for the most part, all the all the bids are clinched here except for the USA South. So that's why I picked that one as my game of the week. So take us through uh, Region 4 here, which is a little light on games, uh, but uh, yeah. obviously last year we thought so, and then Mount Union at Baldwin-Wallace last year almost became a disaster for a bubble team or Mount Union at that point, but yeah. for a last-second Hail Mary for Mount Union. 
Yeah, probably won't see that this year just based on what we've seen from graduations and, at Baldwin-Wallace and just the way Mount Union's been playing. But the most interesting game on one hand, I guess from a, a Pool A perspective, is probably this Mount St. Joseph-Rose-Holman. But then again, DePaul-Wabash, that, that has a Pool A bid on the line too. That's the Mon and Bell game. Um, DePaul nationally ranked. It was my pick for the game of the week based off of that, but Mount St. Joe's and Rose Holman should be an exciting game. The engineers have been rolling through their opposition. The Tigers, or sorry, the Lions, um, wrong, wrong cat, um, have a very you know great offense with that quarterback. Um, I think his name is Josh Taylor or something like that. It, you know they've been putting up a lot of points, so that should be a fantastic matchup. Alma Albion, longtime uh, MIAA rivalry, but the Scots are just kind of just a total you know, different level above the, the, you know, the Britons are, are kind of in a rebuilding year, but yeah, uh, that's region four. Yep. Uh, and region five here. Uh, I added central Simpson because of that Wartburg situation with uh, North central uh, and the ordering there. Uh, but NCC Augustana, can Augustana even hold a candle to North Central? I mean, they played relatively okay against Wheaton. Uh, not, not great, great, but, you know, they, they were, weren't completely blown to shreds in the game. Um, North Central, obviously, a step above Wheaton, so you would expect North Central yeah. to be just fine there. Yeah. I would say for the Vikings, they just have to, they have to put it all out there because there's no guarantee that they're going to get the Isthmus Bowl bid. I mean, if Wheaton gets into the tournament, then the Vikings are into that bowl game, which would be great for the senior class. It all came back, and it's a, you know would be a nice send off for them. But as we said before, Wheaton's chances—I mean, they they may end up in the Isthmus Bowl, and they 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 won their head to head. It was a close game, so the Vikings really have to just leave it all out there on the field. There could be a bonus game for them or not. So they just got to play like it's the last game and see what happens. JB, take Region Six as we set up for our guest. Yeah, so I kind of, um, I kind of, you know, stole this little emblem here. I mean, obviously nothing's going on at the at the Broncos Mile High Stadium, but this is Championship Saturday for Region Six because the Mayak, the Northwest, the Skyak, and the UMAC uh, championships will all be decided this weekend. So I mean, obviously lacrosse won won the WEAC, and so that's off the table. But you have, you know, four championship games. Um, with some really interesting undercards. River Falls and Oshkosh is going to be a game that the Falcons have to win if they want to try to keep their Pool C hopes alive. Otherwise, they're probably off to the, uh, off to the Isthmus Bowl again. St. John's, Concordia, Moorhead. Um, St. John's has not looked um, as strong as they had in recent years. Concordia is just behind them in the standings. They could beat the Johnnies, and actually a lot of teams across the nation would love to see that upset happen because it would take St. John's out of the pool seat consideration and open something up for somebody else. Gustavus Adolphus at Bethel is for the pool A bid, and so one of those two teams will punch their ticket. Uh, a couple of teams in the, um, in the tournament have wins against Bethel, so they're, they're probably pulling for them just to keep that. You know, they're not going to lose a regionally ranked win, but if Bethel loses, they could fall out of the rankings and who knows what'll, what'll that'll do from a seeding perspective. Northwestern, Min Morris, we already talked about the UMAC championship. Skyac, we've got a couple of teams. Um, you know, I think it's Pomona and Chapman playing for that uh, pool A bid. And whoever wins that game is going to Oregon. So Whitworth and Winfield will play for the NWC. And that's, I think that's it. 
think you, you're That's what we right? assume, at least. I know. <laughs> Actually, I, I unmuted the wrong one. That was my bad. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see if that does pan out. But as we said, the Texas matchup is pretty much in stone because there's nowhere else to put them without adding a flight to the system. Yeah. And the NCAA does not like to do that. JB, I'm going to give you the opportunity here. Uh, let me just remind folks to stay tuned. We're going to do a regional rankings review real quick to talk about Pool C uh, situations. Mm -hmm. And then uh, also our predictions coming up here in this super show of uh, In the Huddle. But it, it's even more of a super show when you think about it because our next guest is uh, joining us. So why don't you begin that uh, welcome and we'll get him on screen. Yeah, it's been a few seasons since we've had him back on the show, but we'd like to welcome back uh, former head coach Bill George, uh, who's now a published author, and he's going to have a book that's uh, being released this Veterans Day weekend. Uh, I imagine he might have an interest in the Secretary's Cup game that's happening in New London, Connecticut this weekend. And so, Coach, uh, thanks for joining us, and, and welcome back to In the Huddle. Thanks for having me, JB and Frank. And, uh, yeah, I have an interest in the game. The book actually revolves around one 2014 Merchant Marine game. So it does, and it talks about the academies. So, uh, you know, I'll be there. I buy my season tickets and sit in the stands and root, and that's where I'll be Saturday. So let's talk about this, Coach. Uh, tell us about this premise of this book. Uh, Home Fields is a shortened uh, name of it. Give us, the, give us the full name if you can, uh, because uh, we just didn't have enough room on our uh, bottom line there to fit it all. But, uh, you know, tell us about the book. What inspired you to write it? And uh, like you said, it's revolving around the 2014 season, essentially, and Merchant Marine game. Tell us how this all came to be. The book is Home Fields. A Coast Guard Academy football coach recounts the unfulfilled lives of World War II. And I kind of jotted some notes down my last year or two and put together a, th a little book. And I looked at it in retirement and I said, uh, this book really isn't that good. So I rewrote it. And it, the premise of the book is it's the 214 season. We played the Merchant Marine Coast Guard game the second week of the season. My father is on my couch dying in hospice care. Uh, we're taking care of him, my wife and I and my four-year-old daughter and all the caregivers. And then he starts reflecting on growing up in this tiny immigrant village during World War II. So I kind of go back and forth of what an academy is going through as they prepare for the Merchant Marine game, what cadets go through, and then these lives that had such tragic uh, definition during World War II, his childhood friends, uh, and one of the people in the book, actually, as he goes off to war, his girlfriend it has leukemia at the same time. So I wrote what it was like to grow up in that World War II era as he reflects on it as I get uh, go through the game. So I, I kind of combined two books into one. The great literary uh, agent and writer James Hornfisher, who passed away, uh, told me if you can if you can pull it off without competing these different factions, you'll be okay. And I never got a chance to get him the final copy, but it, I signed a contract last January and it's coming out tomorrow. That's exciting. And yeah, I've seen it already, you know, it's pre-order available on Amazon and it looks like Barnes and Noble, it's going to be, you know, certainly um, an interesting read for, for folks who either, you know, you're just interested in history, but also there, there sounds like there's a real human element and, um, you know, obviously there's still some from this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, greatest generation that are still with us. For, for the most part, you know, the, the, the World War II era is something that's kind of, you know, not for, kind of forgotten a little bit um, to a certain extent. When you were doing um, 
kind of the research or, or, or thought about with the book, did you, did you spend a lot of time kind of like going back in, into what it was like those days? Or was it really more of a, of a story between, you know, a father and son and, this, and the stories that he told you about what it was like growing up then? No, I, I did a lot of research. There were guys from his village that went to war. One actually survived. George Gus Isaac is still alive, and I had interviewed him. He's in the book uh, at 100 years old still. So, no, I, I did a lot of research. But, you know, when he talked about them, it people who lost uh, relatives or friends at a young age, it haunted people for their whole lives. So what I kind of did is, write about their childhoods, how they grew up, that part of it turns into a little bit of how I recreated their their conversations and their meanings. And, and we would talk about it each night as, as we get ready for this Merchant Marine game. Um, and I paint myself a little bit as of a selfish coach who only wants to win this game against the Merchant Marine Academy while, while he's struggling with these World War II memories. So it went back and forth. Um, and I, and I hope I did a good job with it. I think I did. I've got some admirals that have already read it and some people in Washington. So I've got some nice comments or endorsements. So I'm excited to read it. I'm uh, definitely going to be getting uh, a copy. And uh, I hope uh, that uh, you know others out there will do the same. I'm sure a lot of folks over at Coast Guard and Merchant Marine will be doing the same. Uh, they might not tell you at Merchant Marine they're doing it, but the, I think they'll still do it. Uh, nonetheless, Coach, uh, maybe even Coach Toop will do it down in Texas uh, since uh, he's uh, kind of hiding down there. Or, or did you just send him a copy already? No, you know what? I, I actually put a little paragraph in there about Coach Toop, and I am very – uh, I, I don't make it out to be a bitter rivalry. I'm very kind to both of these academies. They're high-level academic academies. And uh, Mr. Brunger, who you just had on, I mean, he's as impressive as a young man as you'll find. These guys go on to serve. By the way, I talk about some Coast Guard people that lost their lives. And I know as well, many Merchant Mariners lost their lives in World War II as well. Again, the people I write about in World War II are in the Department of the Army. So I'm very flattering to both. Uh, you know, i Coach Toop and I, as, as time went on, our, our bitter rivalry toward each other grew into a, a, a deep respect and friendship. And uh, the last time I saw him was at his last game. And, you know, so he, he actually was kind enough to tell me he loved me. So I, I took that with a tear in my eye. So, Yeah, he is, he's yeah, we, a we, uh, unique individual. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Coach, talk, since you've, you know, you're an expert in X's and O's more, more than the two of us, I mean, when you look at these two teams and you think about this matchup, I mean, what are some of the things that stand out to you as far as, you know, if you're, uh, if you're a Coast Guard fan, you want to see this, and if you're a Merchant Marine fan, you want to see that? You know, I, I sit in the stands. I, don't, I think there's a real, as I notice it, a real high-level group of young quarterbacks in Division Three. And I'm impressed with Joey Armentrout of, of Coast Guard. Uh, I think he's done a super job. Uh, I haven't seen one single clip of Merchant Marine film, to be honest with you. I, I do watch the Coast Guard games, and I do follow, you know, Division Three football a little bit, mostly in the East. But um, I just think it'll be a huge rivalry game. Uh, the Academy has really done helped me out a great deal because they're doing a signing and going to introduce me during the third quarter of the game. So I'm able to be very grateful of that. But, you know, 
when you're done coaching, you, you, you miss the people and you really can't go home again. So I don't have a competitive spirit about the game. I'm going to obviously root for Coast Guard. My heart is there. But, uh, yeah, sure. you know, I don't have the same sleepless nervousness I had when I was coaching the game. You know, So uh, <laughs> along those lines, I, I you know, I just uh, I miss all the people, but they're not around, just like you miss your college friends. But the people you go to school with aren't around. So give us a, a grade, though, overall uh, for how Coach Grant's handled uh, the situation as you uh, kind of handle the mantle over to him. Uh, he's had some interesting seasons. I mean, uh, this is one of those high and low seasons, obviously, scoring 93, but kind of teetering win-loss, win-loss. But he could end uh, things uh, with a big win versus Merchant Marine on Saturday, for instance. But overall, how do you think he's handled his uh, job? I think Coach Grant is one of the outstanding coaches in America. I think the Coast Guard Academy is so lucky to have him there as a head coach. I, I know... My years there, when he was an assistant for me, I got calls throughout the time, and I'd say something to him, and he was so happy at Coast Guard. I'd say, so-and-so has called about you. Are you interested? And, you know, he would just always stay right where he was at Coast Guard because of his love for the academy. I think he's an outstanding head coach, probably in many more ways better than me because he's calmer. Uh, so the academy is so lucky to have him. You know, I think he's got a very young team. You know, they have a young team. They have a lot of young recruits over at Naps, the Naval Academy Prep School. Uh, so he's on, they're on their upswing. And I'm, I'm very impressed with the Coast Guard program. I, I think they're in better hands now than they were a couple of years ago, to tell you the truth. So, uh, but, but along those lines. The other thing is I, I happened to give them a copy of my book early on. And I said, here, I got an advanced copy for you. And he read it and, and he fell in love with it. And so, you know, I put him in as an endorser. So, you know, I, I, I hope that, that at the end of this game, there's a lot of Merchant Marine people and a lot of Coast Guard people who say the same thing, that they love this book. I bet they do. And I think it's great um, that they're going to be able to tie it all into the, the Veterans Weekend. I mean, I remember, I've been, you know, some of us like myself have been around for uh, for a while. Yeah, here, and we are up on the screen now. This is where you can go to order um, home fields uh, from Amazon.com. Looks like it's uh, about $19.99 or something like that. So uh, I need my glasses to read what, <laughs> what's on my monitor. But um, so yeah, definitely worth uh, checking that out. But uh, but, but coach, I mean, I remember the time when you, the Secretary's Cup was the first game of the season. What was it like, you know, for both programs when it switched and it became, you know, the, the last game? Was there, did it sort of change the 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 level of of the excitement around it, or was it just, hey, we're, we're going to be excited to play these guys no matter where it falls, week one, two, three, four, whatever. <laughs> I, I think it's better now. And again, in this book the game is the second game of the season for both academies. And you can see the obsession that carries through from the start of the season on. And so I'm not sure either of these academies fully prepared their young players as well, because they were so geared to this game. With the game at the end of the season, it's much better for all of the cadets. It's much better for the coaches. It's much better for college football to have this game at the end. I mean, just, just a few minutes ago, you know, you guys had up all the things on the nation, and, and this is the biggest weekend of college football in Division Three across the country. It's a massive weekend Absolutely. of games that are important. And with the Coast Guard Merchant Marine game, 
this weekend is just a super weekend. I didn't like it at the beginning. Maybe that's why, you know, a lawyer who read my book said, you've painted yourself out to be, you know, an anti-hero in your own memoir, a selfish football coach who's obsessed with this game as hmm. someone is dying in your house and as people are dying in World War II. And, and that comes from the early part of that season, the game at the early part of the season. It became obsessive, really, I thought. I thought for Coach Toop as well. We talked about that, you know, that this game has to move. It's it's hurting us personally. It's hurting our football programs. It's it's not right at the beginning of the season. And moving it back really has been a godsend for both academies. And the Dutchman Shoes That's game uh, for Union RPI did the same thing. They used to be midseason around week four, week five. And uh, it really seemed like that stumbling block in the middle of a season that you just wanted to get to – one edge or the other, and I think the end is probably better than the uh, beginning in that respect, too. So others have followed suit, hence why we call it a big rivalry weekend across the country, Moan and Bell, Mercer Cup, uh, et cetera, uh, throughout. So, Coach, I want to give you a chance for any final thoughts, final words uh, with respect to this weekend's game, the book, or anything else that might be on your mind. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, I, I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm excited to read this book. Uh, but first, I'm more excited to see the game tomorrow. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I'd like to see uh, how this thing turns out. I'll be watching the stream uh, while I'm at the uh, Union RPI game. But uh, you know, tell us uh, any uh, parting thoughts uh, that you might have. You know, I just uh, am so proud of these two academies. They're very high-level academic schools. And the young men and women who attend these academies and go through four years to then go on and lead our country and protect us, you can't be happier. So I'm glad to sit in the stands and cheer them all on, the young men and women at both Corps of Cadets and, of course, the people on the football field. Uh, if you want to read more about this book, uh, Home Fields, just go to the website, uh, just or website homefieldsbook.com and uh, uh, please you know take a peek at it you can read the first chapter at homefieldsbook.com you can see what the admirals and generals all wrote that I've given the book to ahead of time and um, you know I'm, it's going to uh, John Luce the assistant head coach at West Point part of the proceeds will go to Lawrence first and goal so uh, thank you for having me and uh, it's a great cause you know, Hopefully, we'll have a wonderful Coast Guard weekend. Well, thank you, yeah, Coach. Right there. Um, you, you, you were a leader of many um, young men who have you know, ser served our country, who've sacrificed some, some great things for our country. And so um, you know, we, we, we were really thrilled to be able to reconnect with you. And, and congratulations on, um, on finishing the book. I know that, that must have been a, a challenge in and of itself. It's not just something that just happens i'm sure you had to work at it and work with your editors and and that's great that it's getting such a um so many great reviews early on from people who really know um you know what it's like to be at these academies and to serve our country so thank you hope you have a wonderful time at the game on saturday and we'll look forward to uh uh, having you back on down the road once Frank and I have to do do our reading and get a little book report out here. So thanks again. That's Home Fields, available now on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever else you buy books. Frank and JB, thank you so very much. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank coach. you coach. Former head coach Bill George, uh, great to spend time with him. Always been a true friend of the yeah. show. And, uh, you know, Coast Guard and Merchant Marine have been just awesome with us throughout the years. Uh, thanks to guys like oh, him yeah. and Coach Toop. Uh, passing on the mantle, uh, obviously both of them, uh, and we remain uh, close with those schools, those academies. Uh, so thank you to them for that. 
Okay, uh, JB, we got to shift gears. Tough to uh, after uh, talking about an emotional topic like uh, what's in that book ultimately. But we've uh, there's going to be some emotion this weekend though for teams that don't make the NCAA playoffs. And uh, we're going to put this yeah. on the screen on the big screen this way since uh, we end up with uh, we're going to stack them a little bit here so uh, we can look okay. at them. Um, but. Uh, you see that Region 1, Springfield on top, DelVal, Endicott, the first team that would be under consideration if nothing changes is Salve Regina. And so as long as Salve Regina wins, that will remain the case. Uh, Merchant Marine uh, could also uh, become that first team uh, to be considered. But really, neither team is going to be a world beater because let's say Hope, for instance, has a better strength of schedule. Uh, and a better regionally yeah. ranked uh, opponent number than uh, these teams. So for two lost teams, uh, that two loss situation for Salve and or Merchant Marine is not going to get them uh, really any kind of consideration uh, in this four-team process in uh, Pool C. Uh, but Region 2 is really the, the head-scratcher of head-scratchers because we're only ranking seven instead of nine. It really becomes the conundrum of conundrums here because... Regions like regions four and five and three can basically meander teams into their number seven slot to help pad the team that they want to be their pool C team or think is the best pool C team. So they give them a resume boost. We can't do that here in region two for the simple reason we don't have enough spaces to do it. We have five champions here. One is off the board. Uh, the NJAC champ is not on the board right now. So we only have space for two. Uh, pool C uh, type of teams or runners up, let's call it. Union and Muhlenberg. You know what happened this week. There was a clerical error. Uh, Union was originally put below Muhlenberg with a U at one point instead of an E at the end. So they fixed two things uh, ultimately when they re release these on Thursday. Uh, they got the name right for Muhlenberg, but they pushed them down to number seven. The assumption is, from what I understand, because Union's strength of schedule will rise this weekend with adding RPI as long as they win. They will remain in that first spot for Pool C consideration or Region 2 and also be a very strong candidate for consideration ultimately uh, with that win against the number one team in Region 1, JB. That's an important thing to have on their resume. Yeah, and I would just second the fact that, um, like you said, there should be nine teams because one of them I think would be number eight is over my shoulder, the Hobart Statesman um, would probably be on that list, and it would bolster Union and, and Ithaca's uh, resumes. But Region 2 is not giving um, you know, that, that advantage. Same thing in the Centennial, where you could make an argument that like Franklin and Marshall, for instance, could be number 9, and that could help Muhlenberg and Johns Hopkins. So Carnegie anyway, it is what it is. Carnegie Mellon should be on the list. I mean, once again, you know, they're on, they've only lost two games in the last two seasons. They gave the national champions probably their best game of the year last year. Um, you know, no disrespect to Mountain Union, the late comeback, but that first half that they, that they played against the Cardinals was really impressive. And the fact that they're not even on the list is, well, that is what it is. Anyway, um, in regions three and four, you can see, you know, at the top of, uh, top of the list, you got the ODAC, SAA, and ASC champs in Randolph-Macon, Trinity, and Hardin-Simmons. And there's Barry getting that boost from Huntington's getting in the list at number seven. And, um, you know, Bellhaven's sitting there too. They have a chance to clinch, so they, they can win the USA South and get in through the Pool A. 
but Barry is probably realistically the only pool C possibility in, in, um, in region three. I've seen them play live. I think they deserve to be in the tournament. I don't have a vote. National rankings of them being in the top 25 don't matter. It'll just depend on sort of the human element of the committee and, and I, I wish the Vikings good luck. In region four, only um, Mount Union and Alma have clinched. DePaul has a winner, kind of a winner go home situation with Wabash. If they lose that game, theoretically at nine and one, they could be on the pool C board. Hope, once again, this uh, eight and two resume with a 634 strength of schedule has them in the top 10 in the nation. And that's really buoyed them um, into a position where they could steal a, a pool C bid, arguably from a team that from our perspective might be more deserving. No disrespect to Hope, and they've certainly played Aurora and other teams pretty tough, but um, it's just interesting that they'd be placed above a team like John Carroll, who you know, took Whitewater to the limit. Uh, Saint, Mount St. Joseph has a chance to win um, the Heartland, and you know, Marietta sort of rounds out the uh, end of Region 4, which gives Mount Union one of its two uh, regionally ranked wins in Region 4. Yeah, and it, that bolsters Mount Union for the simple reason their strength of schedule is a little putrid at 486. Might get a slight boost from Baldwin Wallace this yeah. weekend. DePaul gets a boost from Wabash uh, in their strength of schedule. But if they lost, mm -hmm. I really would be interested to see if they stay above Hope or fall below Hope ultimately uh, and or John Carroll. So DePaul was a team that I thought at 9-1 would be under consideration, but without really regionally ranked opponents to talk about, it's going to be a very, very interesting yeah. problem for DePaul, uh, and they may actually fall off the board or the table uh, entirely, let's say, in that situation. Mm -hmm. Regions 5 and 6 prove interesting as we were talking about. Wartburg is getting buoyed by number 5 and number 7 in uh, Region 5, Co and Central, both mm -hmm. are ARC teams. But it's interesting because when you look at Hope, Hope's uh, regionally ranked opponents kind of come from outside, besides Alma, outside their conference. The reason why Wartburg's yeah. strength of schedule is only at 563, only, he says, uh, is because <laughs> mainly the two teams uh, that are regionally ranked there are in their conference already. And so across your conference, you're looking at almost a 500 no matter what. Granted, it, it's, mm. I think the ARC is slightly above it because their team's won out of conference games at a decent clip. But that's what's happening. That's why they're ahead of North Central where they're 2-0. Uh, now, if North Central beats Augustana, I can't see Augustana necessarily falling off this board by much. And then there's going to be a real discussion, no. I think, that has to be had about what to do with respect to North Central's placement next to Wartburg. I don't think it's over yet, folks. I think that North Central has the ability to get close enough to Wartburg that they could declare a quote-unquote tie, which means that you go to who mm. did better last year versus uh, the uh, you know a playoff situation as undefeated teams. Yeah. Uh, that is a tiebreaker criteria. Right now they're saying there's no yep. tie to be had, but when you add Augustana to North Central strength of schedule numbers, it's going to clearly help at 8-1. and one. And so Wartburg and North Central will both probably be 3-0 and in regionally ranked opponents. And so North yep. Central, don't give up hope yet that you will uh, not be the number one Region 5 team ultimately. We'll see what happens there. Uh, by the way, Wheaton, no gimme either. They kind of need Augustana to stay on the board, although once ranked, always ranked to a certain mm -hmm. degree. Uh, I, I really, I'm interested to see how this plays out. They also need uh, Bethel 
uh, is it, no, it's uh, for to Wheaton, win. it was um, Oshkosh. Oshkosh, oh, I don't think can find their way back onto the uh, list. So uh, that Oshkosh game kind of goes to waste, which is uh, disappointing for them. What do you see in Region 6 yeah. there? Well, um, just the fact that there's only one team that's clinched. <laughs> and also, number two, he might as well have in bold also because there's there's no way on earth that Whitewater will not be the first team picked in Pool C. I mean, their they're one loss is on a 50-plus yard field goal to the Eagles. Um, they're tied, you know, with like the third or fourth best strength of schedule in the country. They have three regionally ranked opponent wins. You know, they're, they're way up there. Um, St. John's to me is the biggest question mark because, you know, on one hand, uh, I can make an argument for why I think they're going to get in, you know, with the, if they win in their eight and two with their strength of schedule and the two and one record. But when I look at the way, once again, this goes back to something we've harped on before. If you lose by four touchdowns to one of the teams in the tournament, maybe you shouldn't be in it. You know, um, it, it's one of those things where I think St. John's is kind of, yeah, they, they scheduled well, and they won some games here and there. But I, I don't know about the Johnnies really deserving to get a Pool C bid over some other teams that are on this list. But they probably will because they're St. John's and because in this certain case, the criteria works well for them. So it is what it is. Um, I don't, you know, nothing against the, the Johnnies fans. They're, it's a great, great group. They're, it's a great program, a lot of history, obviously. But this is one of those situations where I just feel like you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, Concordia Moorhead is not a guaranteed win for them, and maybe the maybe they'll take care of business for, <laughs> for the rest of the pool. See help hopefuls. So uh, we're going to go back to review for a second for week ten. I did this on purpose because uh, I find your left and your right picks or your MVPs uh, this week funny because they're going to face off despite being in different conferences uh, across the yeah. line of scrimmage from each other. And uh, go ahead and tell folks about your uh, Week 10 MVPs real quick. Yeah, um, Joe Rapetti from Muhlenberg was a, was a real catalyst in, in keeping the Mules' playoff hopes alive in that 45-42 to 42 overtime win. Um, just, you know, did everything he possibly could with his arm and his legs. He's had a great season a fantastic player. And yeah, he's going to have to look out across the line to keep an eye out for this Eric Cohen character who is actually converted tight end. And, um, you know, it kind of flew under the radar. We didn't even really talk about it much during crunch time. But the fact that Montclair, you know, came back and, and knocked off um, CNU was kind of a surprise and which leads the NJAC situation to be up in the air. Uh, Cohen had two sacks on the final um, series that helped the, the Red Hawks win the game. And so... Uh, you know, I looked around. There was you know, a lot of different performances that were interesting. Nothing that really stood out, though. But that, for me, for some reason, you know, the fact that he kept his team, um, you know, alive there late and knocked off the potential conference champions said a lot to me. And then, you know, in the special teams, this was a, a weekend of blocks. Um, so uh, Zach uh, Keel, hopefully, I'm pronouncing that right for uh, lacrosse, and uh, and Tevin Baker uh, for Monmouth, both had block field goals that effectively won the games uh, for their teams. Huge special team play, so I had to you know, buddy him up there, and, and congratulations. You always kind of like a guy named Baker, you know. I mean, it might be a little biased there. 
You gained a game on me last week, uh, so you're up by three now, but we have 15 games to go through because of what kind of weekend this is. I don't know if we're going to have much deviation, 15. though. That, that's the interesting part of this. So yeah. we'll see where we go with it. You're going to start this week. We're going to get this rolling. There's your first game on the screen. Uh, let's get the music started, and I'll start the timer and tell you to go. But uh, here we go, folks. Uh, week 11, it is the final week of the regular season. And uh, as Bill George said, the biggest game week of football in Division Three. period. Here we go. Hit it. Widener at DelVal. Well, normally I would say, you know, this could be a weekend where the Aggies could rest their starties to get ready for the playoffs. They've clinched, but they've got this thing called the streak, and they're not going to want that to break. So I think Louis Barrios and the Aggies defense is going to dig in and try to beat the pride. Um, lower scoring game, but I think the Aggies will hang on 21-17. to 17. And they also have the cup uh, to play for in this one, the Keystone Cup. And so Keystone Cup, I, that's right. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think you're right. Del Val probably does win this game by, I, I think I said uh, in Quick Hits, which this was a uh, discussion point, uh, by 21 points. So I'll say 39-18. How's that for a weird score? Uh, New Mac, okay. uh, Secretary's Cup game, Merchant Marine at Coast Guard. The fourth star, huh? Hmm. Coast Guard knows that. And they know mm. how to put up points. We saw that against Santa Maria. They've just been so back and forth this season. The more consistent team is clearly Merchant Marine. I'm going to go with consistent consistency here, he said, uh, by slight margin. This is probably going to be a close game, closer than most of the last uh, couple of years. 30-20, Merchant Marine. That scratching in the background is my dog, Ellie, and she agrees with you. She also thinks that the Mariners will probably um, stretch the field a little bit. And like Coach George said, the Bears are a younger team. Mariners a little more senior laden. So I'll go with the Merchant Marine winning 38-17. Uh, to 17. The shoes. There she is. The shoes. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw, I, I paid close attention, obviously, to the RPI Hobart game. Also played close attention to the Hobart Union game, and I think Union's offensive line was a difference maker there, and I think it might be in this case. Um, I'm not sure what uh, RPI's quarterback situation was. It was a surprise to see, um, you know, a different starter there. So I'll, but I'll go with the Dutchman slash Garnet Chargers um, winning the shoes and punching their playoff tickets potentially in a um, lower scoring, more defensive battle, but still a 28 to 21 type of game somebody had told me that Kazanowski not playing last week was a game time decision i'm not sure how much merit that has but we were surprised not to see him out there obviously so um i think he plays if that's the case in this game and it'll be a very good game at that i think union's defense is the difference maker as well still to this point in the season and so i'm going to give union as ellie uh, drives you insane over there uh, Union, the slight edge in the shoes game on this one that I will be attending 31-30 as uh, RPI comes back late. So the defense uh, does give up some points, but stands at the end. Uh, Cortica, tough one. But, you know, was it Colin Shum's uh, teammates rallying behind him? Was that the article I saw mm -hmm. on D3 Football this week? Yep. Um, and yeah. he looks like he's becoming a little bit more matured in the position as a fresh uh, out there. And so, you know, I, I give him credit, but I give Cortland a lot of... 
She doesn't like that one. I don't know. Uh, Allie, what do you sorry, think? Allie. I didn't mean it. She, apparently, she's an Ithaca fan. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with Cortland. Cole Burgess has not won the game because of his uh, years he did not didn't play. And so this is a special one for him. And uh, I think he's going to get this one. I really do. 35-24. Yeah, sorry, Coach Fitz. I think I'm going to go with the Dragons as well. I saw what you did with a freshman quarterback last week and one of my worst picks of the season. Um, so, yeah, I think this is finally the Red Dragons time. And, um, you know, Shum will keep it, keep it interesting, but just some inexperience there. You know, you got – it's going to be tough to overcome that in a big game like this, but it'll be close, uh, say 35 to 28, Dragons. Coach, if, you, if you're watching and you would like to respond, go ahead and text me. We're live here, as you know, for another uh, eight minutes or so. Uh, let, me, let me know your thoughts on that uh, pick by JB. You asked him not to do it. He still did it. Uh, Hampton-Sydney at Randolph-Macon. Um, look, look, it's your turn. Go ahead. You go first on this one. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, it's a big game. It's great to throw the records out the door, but Randolph-Macon's been so consistent. Drew Campanale has been one of the best quarterbacks in D3, and I think the Yellow Jackets are going to win this one going away 38-17. to 17. I just think that Hampton Sydney's had so many close games. They finally won one last week uh, that was, uh, yeah. you know, down to the wire with that blocked extra point uh, in OT. Um, I think Randolph Macon is more the better, but look, it's a rivalry game, so I don't think it's going to be a complete and complete blowout. I just think it's going to be a, basically like a 30 to 21 type of game where Hampton City probably hangs around way too long, but uh, ultimately Randolph Macon wins. Brevard, Bellhaven, Brevard, I, I just watching back that game when I was getting clips, I don't know how they lost that game the way they did. I mean, they were up 21 to zero and then boom. So that is deflating they had a chance to win that conference outright with this game now they've got to hope for a bunch of things to happen Bellhaven I think learned their lesson from the Maryville game Bellhaven wins this 24-14 yeah I'll take the Blazers also at home um, Kobe Blunt will probably have a couple of rushing touchdowns maybe three he's had an outstanding career for Bellhaven um, so I think the home team runs away with it um, 28-17. Monon Bell, Monon Bell, whatever we want to call it, it's the pot Wabash. Ding, ding. Go ahead. Yeah, Liam Thompson at home. You know, he's going to be throwing the ball around. Um, but, you know, the Tigers, they there's no guarantee that they make the playoffs if they lose this game. So I think they're going to hang on for deal life, scratch and claw. High scoring game, um, but I think DePaul will have enough to hang on and win it. 35-31. Liam, listen, buddy. I need to pick up a game, and I believe in you to be one of the people to help me pick up a game. Uh, I, I think that he is at home a very strong player, uh, generally. And yeah. this game, I think maybe at certain times of season they were looking ahead a little too much. I think Wabash is a strong team overall. Mm -hmm. They just had a, a, a tripping uh, fit uh, at the wrong times this year. I'm going to give Wabash the edge here, 27-20 um, over DePaul, mm -hmm. and really create some chaos because we're not going to know exactly what to do with DePaul in Region 4 if that happens. I have a notion that they fall below hope, 
and that might be all we need to know ultimately but we'll see what happens if that happens Alma at Albion. Uh, I put this here because I'm, I'm, I think a lot of the nations is waiting for Alma to trip up. Every week we were like, well, where'd this team come from? And they just keep winning and winning and winning and winning and winning. And Albion's one of those teams that at home has the ability to maybe be strong against them. But I'm going to give Alma the edge still here. 35-24. Yeah, I think the Scots are going to go into the tournament undefeated. Albion's in a transition season. They have you know, new coach in week nine or eight or whatever it was. So uh, I'll take the Scots to win pretty big, uh, say 42 to 10. I, I may have, had, I may have uh, told you there was an extra game. I think we only have 14 games. Uh, ultimately, I had an extra okay. from last week in there. Uh, Concordia at uh, Aurora. You had something on your sheet a little bit ago where Aurora was in bold. Technically, Concordia could win the NAC if they win this game because they're both undefeated that's right, right that's now. That's right. I forgot so about that. So this is for yeah, the NAC championship. Uh, now, having said that, it's uh, your turn to go first. I think they have. I think Concordia has a law. I think Concordia has one loss in conference. But if they beat Aurora, it would create a tiebreaker situation where they would. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the um, you know the Don BBs are going to hold court at home and um, you know, walk away with the NACC championship and an undefeated record. I like um, Aurora to win this one 42-28. And you're correct. It's 7-0 Aurora, 6-1 Concordia in the uh, conference standings. Uh, so having said that, uh, I agree with you. Aurora is uh, the best offense in the country in terms of points scored, and uh, I think that that continues here 50-19. to 19. Yeah, I, I know, weird scores. Um, North Central at Augustana. Look, I, I think I made it clear earlier. I think Augie uh, is just not going to have the mustard go in this one the way that uh, you would hope. Uh, North Central, I think, had a wake-up call via Wartburg number one, North Central number two. Thanks, committee. You really need to wake them up because, my God. Okay. <laughs> hope they fix that error uh, after this week. <laughs> North Central wins this game. Uh, going away. 54 20. Yeah, I agree. I think Central will pile on the points. Actually, like 63 to 14. Uh, great season for the Vikings. Hopefully, they get into the Isthmus Bowl, but that'll depend on what happens with Wheaton. In the arc, the ARC Central at Simpson, a game that could really throw a monkey wrench into some things if Simpson were able to find a way to beat Central. Unlikely, but Simpson at home here. Uh, go ahead, do you go first on this one? Yeah, I mean, I'll go with the Dutch. I just feel like, you know, Simpson's not just quite at that same level, uh, although they've had their moments. Um, I'll take uh, Central to win this one. There could be snow, for all I know, in this, in this game. <laughs> it could be pretty cold. Um, but say 21 to 14. Yeah, I'll give Central a 31-14 edge in this game overall. Yeah, probably higher scoring. Here's a game. Don't sense. don't overlook this game ultimately here. This is yeah. a, a game that could go either way, I think, especially at Oshkosh. River Falls at Oshkosh. You know, Caleb Blaha has had to bail his team out on certain occasions and almost uh, did it last week against Lacrosse. Mm -hmm. But how many times can you go to that well? And I think that Oshkosh's defense actually plays pretty well in the lineup against River Falls offense ultimately. So this is going to be a good matchup. Do I have enough faith 
in Oshkosh show to win at home on this? Heck, let's go for it. Here's my flyer. Okay. Um, I, I didn't pick it on D3 football, but the more I thought about it, I, I'm going to go here. Uh, Oshkosh wins 27-21. Uh, yeah, that would be a nice uh, way to wrap things up for the Titans. Uh, but I just feel like the Falcons are just, they're hanging on to their playoff hope lives here. So I think Blaha will, will do everything in his power, running or throwing for touchdowns, and they will outlast the Titans 35-31. Whitworth at Linfield for the Northwest Conference Championship and a chance to play the Skyak champion probably. Go ahead. Yeah, um, and you know, the, the Cats are the safe bet here, so that's what I'm going to go with. I think it'll be a competitive game, but they'll pull away late and win it, say, um, 35 to 21. Yeah, if this was on the road, I might actually flip the choice because Linfield hasn't exactly been a world beater at times this season. But um, no. I really am looking to this game to tell me who Linfield is. I'm going to say they win. I just don't know who they are. And I keep putting them into my top 10, sort of on blind faith of who I think they Why? are. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, that's that's the thing. It's We're accused of, you know, using previous year's rankings to, you know, rank teams. And I'm not going to lie. It happens sometimes. And Linfield is that yeah. team for me because I don't know where to spot them right now. But I'm going to say Linfield wins this game 24-20 at home. Finally... The Mayak Championship, Gustavus Adolphus at Bethel. I'm going to give the nod to Bethel here, being the, uh, yes. I Now I know which game you forgot that we need to pick for number 15, the Skyak Championship between Pomona and Chapman. So that's okay, 15. So we'll, we'll take All it right, off the board. But I, I, agree with you, I agree with you with them, Bethel. So we, we can just say we both, we'll both take the Royals here. 21-17 Bethel for me. Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> we got 28 seconds. Uh, oh, well, excuse me. And like the uh, time has mattered at all. Who's hosting this game, by the way? I have no idea. I'd have to look. Um, I'm guessing it's Chapman, but I could be wrong, and I probably am. Right, we'll put it all in caps That's too, just to, for the heck of it. Um, Chapman? No, I, I think it's Chapman actually. But um, <laughs> that was actually ironic. <laughs> You know what? I, based on that, I think I have to pick Chapman. It's it, it's Pomo, it's Pomona versus yeah. The Chapman's the home team. I, so I just typed him in as Champman. So I, I I'm going to pick Chapman at this point Chapman. Uh, for no other reason. Twenty-seven twenty. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, they haven't lost, and let's see, one, two, three, four, five. They won five in a row. They beat Claremont Mud Scripts. They were. Taking care of uh, Pacific, they almost beat Whitworth. So yeah, I think uh, I think Chapman is the pick here. I'll take the uh, what, 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 what's their mascot? Are they the Panthers? Yeah, no, they're the Stags. The Chapman Panthers, Stags. I can't remember. I think Claremont Mud Script are the Stags. So yeah, I'll take the Panthers. Uh, Twenty-four seventeen. It's great watching Panic and uh, mascots there. Okay, uh, we are almost going to full two hours here, which was not the anticipated uh, the time here. But you know what, folks? A lot of content. Uh, you know, if you were Last to watch two shows, show we would more than that. Yep. Boom. Uh, so, how do you watch this uh, weekend? Uh, this is a tough one. Uh, so, good luck to you on uh, telling people what to watch for and how to watch it. Yeah, I mean, because there's literally 
close to a dozen games that kick off at noon that are all great rivalry um, games across multiple regions. Well, you can start off on Friday night and you know follow Frank to see his updates from the Muhlenberg um, Montclair game. But Christopher Newport, TCNJ, maybe the captains can punch their Pool A bid uh, with a win. But um, I think that was it. Trevor Bopp, the quarterback for um, TCNJ, has been having a great season. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if they won and they're the home team. But yeah, you've got Ithaca hosting Cortland. RPI Union's a huge game. Susquehanna can punch their ticket with a win. That, that game's at 1 o'clock. Uh, you've got um, Castleton and Anna Maria at 2. Someone's got to win the ECFC. We didn't really spend a lot of time talking about that one, but that game will have an impact on things. The game between Hampton Sydney and Randolph Macon's at one. You got Brevard Bellhaven also then. Uh, you've got NC Wesleyan and Huntington at two. You know, can the Hawks maybe sneak in if something goes awry in that Bellhaven game? You've got the Mon and Bell game at 1.07 p.m. That's interesting. Uh, Mount St. Joe's at Rose Holman's at 1.30. There's going to be so many games packed in uh, between noon and two o'clock. It's kind of crazy. At two, you got North Central Augustana, you got Concordia at Aurora, you've got River Falls, Oshkosh, you got St. John's, Concordia. Basically, you know, two, once again, there are like these two huge noon and two o'clock, so there's going to be tons of games going on. I know in, the, in prior years we've done um, whip-around shows. doesn't seem like we're going to do that this season. Maybe in the playoffs we'll, we'll get back to doing that kind of thing. But uh, just almost too many games to keep track of. So load up on your devices and, and keep your head on a swivel because there's 14 bids to be clinched. Um, about nine of them, I think, are head-to-head. -head. And then you got four more we'll find out about on Sunday night, and we'll talk to the committee chair about it. Well, uh, listen, uh, folks, again, uh, tonight look for uh, Twitter activity from uh, uh, Montclair with Muhlenberg at Montclair tonight. Uh, I'll be down there. I'll be popping up to RPI Union tomorrow uh, at noontime for the Dutchman Shoes game. Again, Twitter activity from there. Then uh, we may come uh, to you. We'll, we'll think about doing a Twitter Spaces if there's a little bit of chaos that we need to talk to you about. After the end of that uh, Carnegie Mellon game, yeah. the Academic Bowl, uh, because that game goes till about 10 o'clock most likely and really screws the committee's uh, job over, I can tell you right now. And uh, then on yep. Sunday, we'll record it at 3.30, we'll play it at 5.30, the interview with the chair, 5 o'clock Eastern time this year, 5 o'clock Eastern time is the selection show. So don't miss that, then come immediately over to our show at 5.30 to hear from the committee chair or vice chair and committee chair because we are actually preparing for the idea that the chair might not be available on the call because Northwestern Minnesota is his team and they may be selected because of the uh, win of their conference possibility of the UMAC. So keep that in mind. John Snell would be uh, the uh, vice chair joining us as well. So we'll have both on our show most likely on Sunday unless uh, Matt, uh, can, Matt Moore can do the entire uh, call uh, if they do not win. So keep that in mind as well. So 5 o'clock for the selection show, 5.30 for our interview. Monday at noon, if you are interested in the ECAC Bowls, we will have the first news of who's in, who's not, obviously, and some reactions along the way. Uh, great uh, that they allow us to do that. We'll have a crunch time show at some point next week. 
And then, as you pointed out, we're working on, again, D3Football.com's whip-around show, uh, the Bracket Blitz, we call it, uh, on uh, their uh, platform. And so, JB, you'll most likely be with me, and uh, Pat Coleman will be on location, but joining us, too, uh, for that show as well. So a lot of things coming up here uh, with respect to our show and then our blended shows with uh, D3Football when we get into the playoffs as well. Playoffs? That's... Yeah, that's a lot, and uh, that's what you count on us for. Thank God Election Day is over for me because we can focus a little bit more on this stuff. But it's uh, yeah. it's a lot. It's a heavy pull uh, every year to get through the next week and a half. But we'll do it with you because you enjoy it. You tell us you enjoy it every year. Two hours later, we are done with this show and done with this week of uh, you know our dual cast here of the, the show. Thanks for joining us in your patience this week, and we will see you throughout the weekend in many different formats. Bye now.